0: is a taste savored by two-fisted drinkers. So if you think your two fists are strong enough, why not grab yourself a shot of the only booze big enough to knock some sense right back into you. Jepson's Malort. It'll kick your ass for you, so you can take time taking her easy. Proud sponsor of Chad the Birdcast, which is what you're listening to right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Chad... I am a bird, and this is my bird cast. There. You're all caught up. You know what's going on. I mean, there should be no questions. We just started. Please put your hands down. Unless you have to use the bathroom, in which case, just fucking go. Ugh. Anyway, this week, I learned a lot about farts. And by that, I mean other words for farts. See if you can count how many. I know how many, but do you know? And then get after me on my Discord, which is called Chad's Gas and Guzzle. Or you can email me at thebirdchad at gmail.com. Also, follow me on TikTok, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. Just you should even just go to Chad in Africa. Just like hang out. Look, whatever. You can do whatever you want. Just live your life. I don't know, why I'm so cranky. Anyway, like, all right. So learned a lot about um how in New Zealand right now they are Thinking about possibly laying out, totally did, totally say, here's what we're going to do, a plan uh, to tax farmers for methane emissions from cow and sheep farts and burps. And that's hilarious, but also very important to know, because it's happening in America as well, and it's a, a logical least you can do thing to help combat climate change. And before you hit the comment section, just wait a minute because this is a double episode. Because I knew there would be questions because I also had questions. Because, you know, people get sensitive when you're like, hey, pay more money for stuff. I get that. Um, So I had my friend and yours, presenter and producer of classical music radio as well as pianist, comedian, it's still fucking hard to say, comedianist, no, pa Uh, Robbie Ellis Uh, you know him from classical WFMT Chicago Um, and you can hear him on introductions which is Saturdays at 11 it's also a podcast on 98.7 and then you can listen to Sunday Afternoons with Robbie Ellis that's Sundays 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. this is all CDT just FYI so, yeah, come find him, come listen, come enjoy. He's from New Zealand, and that's the reason why I asked him on the show. Besides, it's always fun to hang out. I mean, we did shows together. Listen, I know Robbie Ellis, you guys. Okay? Also, get his album on Spotify. My particular favorite tracks are Pumpkins and Boston Sports. Uh, rec- those are, like, on my heavy rotations. Anyway, I had him come on because he's from New Zealand, and uh actually understands this a little bit better than i do and definitely better than some people in my comments on my tiktok do it's getting weird in there guys anyway i have robbie ellis on after my dispatch from fart control which you can hear now already in progress That you like me because you could go downhill. I can't promise that you love me, but you probably will. I can't promise that you love me. All right, all right, all right, humanity, let's get going. We've heard it, you've said it, let's get this rig rolling. Move along, move along. We get it, you're tired of hearing about COVID, but it's still going, it doesn't care. Cases are up again 106,874 daily as of right now in the US, it's still real. And yeah, if you're vaxxed, it won't kill you, but it'll fuck up your life, which is already fucked up enough. So wear a mask and move along, move along. We hear you. Fox News isn't covering the January 6th committee, but that's because they're not news. They're part of the reason we're having one in the first place. This is not up for debate, because they're all on tape saying it, move along, move along. We've heard it. You have the right to a gun, but the Second Amendment is about a well-regulated militia, not whether or not you have the right to own a fucking tactile missile. You don't, and you shouldn't. And no, the debate is not about government uprising. If it was, you wouldn't have a panic attack every time somebody kneels for the national anthem, Jethro. Guns make you horny, that's what this is about. Google's a thing, opinions are like assholes. Fuck you, eat a Snickers, move along, move along. (laughs) Like, I hear you, humans. Who doesn't love shooting the shit, batting the breeze, chewing the rag? No one, that's who. I love a fucking kitchen table forum with the friends. It's a gas. It's like you're a parliament, but instead of affecting an entire nation, you're just pissing off your uncle. It's fun, it's like a game sometimes. But eventually, in any living room conference, the air gets too thick with bullshit, and it's time to open the window and move on to night drinks, and remember we're all in the same room. You call it clearing the air. And I've been using that little nugget since the 1300s when philosopher and seminary professor at the University of Oxford, if you won't be a dick about it, John Wycliffe stated, winds of truth should blow away heresies and clear the airs of holy church, which is now full troubled. Did he coin it? Maybe. You want to do the work to find out? No, me neither. You know what it means. And it comes from nature, which is universal. It's contemporary. Fog fucks up your commute. Winds come in, clears the air, and then, bam, you're back on road with the money that you saved, Gucci Mane. Lately, the world is getting, not a lot of Gucci Mane fans here, okay, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> Lately, the world is getting foggy with everyone popping off whenever they want, and yes, I realize the irony, but hey, they pay me to talk, okay? What do you get when you go off? Reflux? We're moving on. And the internet is making it worse because anybody can have an account. It's free, and so are opinions but it's getting out of control. The fog is getting too thick, and it all smells like bullshit. So hey, I think maybe it's time to clear the air before it kills us all. And it might be a little too late, but we should try, because that's better than nothing. You know how I know that it's getting too thick up in here? Because now you're taxing farts. More specifically, because we got a surplus on everything but nuance around here. New Zealand has just unveiled a plan that will tax farmers if their total level of ass rip is too high. Anyone ever drove the Midwest knows that if you get enough farm animalia in the same space, the toot count is gonna go up and the air will be scented with a different kind of beef. It doesn't take a scientist to know that more buttholes in a room means a more robust bull snort accumulation. The clown belch is high, that's what I'm saying. And if you've ever gone on a field trip to a farm that you know that the scent of cheek squeak is noticeable at minimum, imagine if the sheep and cow count is higher than the people running the place, which, in New Zealand, it is. Currently, there are 5 million people living in Hobbiton, but there are 10 million cattle and 26 million sheep at any given time. And that's a lot of colon blow from the old meat nozzle, because you think your post-Thanksgiving music is epic? Those gut cheesers can blast grumpies at a frequency that'll make you emotional. <laughs> Nearly half of the greenhouse gas in New Zealand comes from agriculture. And since China's middle class has grown, the demand for beef has too. So New Zealand answered the burger call and set aside a fuck ton of land for dairy cattle to make the beef. And dairy beef cattle honk poofers on average of 160 to 320 liters a day. That's 1,200 gallons, if you want to be a dick about it. And it's not just stink ticklers, either. They also burp. And in the game of global warming, cracking yokers also counts. That means burps. I learned that today. (laughs) Cracking yokers. Go figure. The science of it all is that breakfast ghosts contain methane. And methane has more than 80 times the warming power of carbon dioxide during its first 20 years in the atmosphere. Over a hundred year period, it is 28 to 34 times as warming as CO2. And anyone who's ever been around cows steam-pressing their Calvins knows that shit sticks around a while. Now granted, methane is number two. No, really guys? Real, okay, okay, well then just fucking strap in. God, can't even do a poop joke anymore. Pull the fucking beer out of your ass. All right. (laughs) On the global warming contribution list, it is number two under CO2, but it's not by that much. In 2019, CH4, that's methane, by the way. There, I saved you a Google. The levels in the atmosphere reached two and a half times above what they were in pre-industrial America. And thanks to farmland backyard brown hazing, the fog's only getting thicker. So the plan is to tax farmers in New Zealand who hit a certain threshold of ass yodeling from their cattle and then to incentivize them for their troubles with new feed additives, including seaweed, which cuts down on butt trumpets, just FYI, in case your post-dining experience is breaking up your marriage, and planting more trees to counteract the effects of the concentrated air biscuits. Plus, the money raised from taxing all that anal applause will go back into research and farm support services, creating a fart-economic perpetual motion machine that if you had it back in the 70s, could have powered a city on John Belushi movies alone. (laughs) Now, of course, in the world of fart-economics, there's bound to be some blowback. (laughs) Okay, oh, that one, okay, that was too far, okay. Farmers are concerned that this will put the burden of fighting global warming on them. But according to Andrew Hoggard, president of the Federated Farmers of New Zealand, and a dairy farmer himself, so he knows the pain of wandering through clouds of cornhole clappers on a daily basis, quote, (laughs) we've been working with the government and other organizations on this for years to get an approach that won't shut down farming in New Zealand. So we signed off on a lot of stuff and we're happy with it. And yet, Tossing a tithe on fizzlers isn't going to solve the big problem for good. Fracking is a fucker, by the way. Never forget that. But it will help us buy some time. Quote, basically, if we manage to stop emitting methane today, by the end of this century, emissions would be down to natural levels that they were in 1750, says Professor Peter Thorne, is an author from the IPCC, or uh, Governmental Panel on Climate Change, if you're nasty. And climate scientists believe that, quote... If methane emissions were cut by 40 to 45%, over the next decade, you'd shave 0.3 centigrade, that's 37 Fahrenheit, off the increase in global temperatures by 2040. So yeah, it's not a perfect plan, but at least tossing a tax on ass wind is a something. And we're not just sitting around sniffing our whiffers. That's the poop, it's not just a load of hot air. Everyone's got something to offer the dinner table of opinions, but them's the facts, that's the science. Humans, with any luck, we got a lot of years to figure each other out in the coming up, even if it didn't feel like we'd make it past 2020. We're still here, we're still chewing the fat, battling the breeze, and shooting the shit. But the air is getting a little foggy these days, I don't know if you've noticed, and it's getting a little thick with bullshit because everyone's getting letting loose. So, let's open the fucking windows, turn on the central, kick the box fan, and let the winds of truth blow away heresies and clear the airs, which are now full trouble indeed. Because we're all in this room together, so fuck your comment section. Now's not the time for opinions. Tax the farts, and let's move on. I love you. Good night. Okay, now, remember all that shit. Let's go to my interview with Robbie Ellis. Already in progress. I am definitely a townie. Okay. So,
1: I... I grew up in Auckland, which is a city of 1.5 million people. Uh, You know, I don't actually have any family that lives on a farm, which is like, if you say that, if you said that like a generation ago in New Zealand, that would just be weird. It's like, oh, but like everyone in New Zealand knows someone on a farm. And it's like, no, not really. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not really. I mean, maybe back in the day when it was a much more agricultural society, like we're talking a century ago or something. Where farming right. really was the backbone of everything, and now it's like, well, food production is more efficient, so fewer and fewer people just live on farms, and that's true in the US as it is in New Zealand. Right. Um, but you still have like, uh, certain farmers. I'm not going to say all farmers in New Zealand, but they're they, they very see themsel- very much see themselves as the real New Zealanders, and others are not. Uh, so you have little echoes of other things happening in America with that, you know, I'm not going to name names. Uh, but, but for that reason, it's like in so many respects, they're just so resistant to change. Like I'm not going to say all farmers are doing this and there's actually a bit of a conflict right now, um, in the farming community, as far as I can tell from Chicago and, you know, not knowing these people directly, I am just, you know, Googling stuff as you are, but, um, after years and years and years of farmers being exempt from uh, carbon emission schemes, that sort of thing, uh, there's sort of federated farmers, which is uh, kind of an industry group, and they're the farmers themselves. And a lot of the farmers are saying, oh, federated farmers, they're in hock to the government. They're trying to shut us down. They're trying to uh, tax us into oblivion. It's like... There's been signals from the current government that you've had a good run for a while being exempt from, you know, not killing the planet.
0: So I posted like bits and pieces of that on uh, TikTok and YouTube. And some of the comments that I've been getting are like, hey, why don't you talk about how uh, the government is like a corporation in New Zealand and people are uh, not really taxing the corporations, they're taxing the farmers. And I'm like, I feel like that's misplaced. Uh, but I don't know enough about the government situation out there. Uh, it's, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parliament situation, right? Yeah.
1: Um, I wouldn't say that New Zealand's government is a corporation. I mean, there, there are some state-owned enterprises, but the, the biggest players in at least dairy farming, I mean, this is what we're talking about. You're dairy, right. casual, they're the biggest emitters. Um, so there's a giant cooperative, which was formed in the early 2000s called Fonterra, and most dairy farmers in New Zealand are members of this cooperative. And world player-wide is like, I don't know, the eighth or ninth biggest dairy company in the world because New Zealand has a lot of cows. And, you know, if you pull pretty much all New Zealand dairy farmers into this one thing, it's like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of milk. That's a lot of beef. Uh, so, but that, is, that isn't a government thing at all. That is, it's an industry cooperative
0: bare bones yeah. the new zealander system
1: all right uh the queen is at the top which the queen, is weird. the queen
0: of new zealand
1: yeah it's, it's the, the same queen it's it's, oh, weird. it's always the queen it's weird but she's she's a figurehead she's there and she's always been there and she'll die and then new zealand will become a republic because we'll just move on but anyway she is <laughs> at the top um then she appoints a governor general who is, like, the Queen's representative and goes to ribbon cuttings and has reserve powers that uh, she never needs to use. The Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, she's the one with the greatest political power. That's uh, Jacinda... That um, is Jacinda Ardern, that's Ardern, right. Yeah. Stephen Colbert's best friend.
0: She uh, seems cool. I saw her in a TikTok just, like, walking around getting, like, boba tea.
1: Yeah, I've I've met her literally once at an improv show. <laughs> And actually, um, and Rose Matafeo is a New Zealand comedian. She was on Colbert a few weeks back, and she said basically the exact same thing. It's like, yeah, I've met Jacinda Ardern at an improv show. Um, <laughs> Great. This group called Snort that I both of us briefly played with, actually. But anyway, she is the prime minister. So the prime minister, this is a similar situation to Australia, the UK, and Canada. The prime minister is whoever can command a majority of parliament. So the I guess the best U.S. comparison is, all right, who currently has the majority in uh, the House of Representatives? Well, that's Democrats. So, like, Nancy Pelosi is the head of that House.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah.
1: She's kind of the party leader of the majority party, and that's the role that Jacinda Ardern has. But she has all the, all the executive power, well, like, her party and her governing coalition has the executive power. So cabinet is made up of members of parliament. So these are directly elected people. We do not have a separate office of president. We don't have separate vote for this is the head of the country because our head of state is a 96-year-old woman in a palace, right? Uh, we have... We, so that's kind of just in place. Not
0: the queen of New Zealand. No, she, qu- she is the,
1: the, well, she has all sorts of titles. She is the Queen of the United Kingdom and the Queen of New Zealand at the same time. And the Queen <laughs> of Canada and the Queen of Australia. And,
0: you can't be all the queens. Hey, you can only be one queen.
1: No, she's queen of like 15
0: countries. Oh man, no wonder she's so tired. So let's say Jacinda Ardern does not have a majority in the parliament. It would be somebody else that would be appointed prime minister, whoever the, the head of that party is.
1: That's where the governor general comes in. If if things get complicated in parliament or every time there's an election, if it's like, oh, parliament has a different composition of MPs, of members, who can command a majority? Who can make a governing arrangement?
0: MP stands for what? Member of parliament. Member of parliament. It's that fucking simple, man. Okay, I got it. I got it. I'm with you. They can... They can do a vote of no confidence to get rid of her and appoint a new leader of party, which would make them the head of that, uh, which would make them the majority in parliament, which means new prime minister.
1: Yeah. So currently in New Zealand's parliament, Labor has an outright majority. Labor is Jacinda Ardern's party. That's her party. Okay. That's her party. So if the Labor caucus said, we don't like her anymore, which is exceedingly unlikely to happen anytime soon because...
0: Yeah, she seems very likable and doing things that people in New Zealand really enjoy.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's, she's no Boris Johnson. <laughs> uh, no, if that, if no! But if that were to happen and, you know, someone challenged her and they got a majority of votes from, well, there's like party membership. But yes, she could be replaced, but whoever is the new leader of the Labour Party right now would become prime minister.
0: Okay, until right.
1: the Until the next election, of course.
0: So then, OK, so now I've, what I've heard, and I don't know if this is the same in New Zealand, but like you, there's many different parties. Like in America, you've got Republicans and Democrats because old dudes say that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in like New Zealand and I think in the UK, you've got like a bunch of different parties. So I'll, I'll, this is
1: like a my note of optimism for the American political Seen right now because Yay! we I ha- need that thank I'm you new zealand
0: you optimi- for once again being charming and uplifting
1: it's it's historical optimism so put it this way for from like the 1930s to the 1990s basically new zealand's parliament had just two parties that was it like other parties existed but they very very seldom got voted into parliament That was just the way things were structured. It was like, sometimes you have a labor government. Sometimes you have a national government, you know, labor tries to do progressive things and to make society better. And national is like, well, we're not going to take it backwards, but we don't need to take it forwards. Let's just, let's just vibe. Um, So then there were two elections in a row. This is going to sound familiar. Two elections in a row where national uh, became government because they got more MPs. They won more individual like electorates. So think of congressional districts, right? They won more individual congressional districts. But who got more votes? Not them. So two elections in a row this happens. More people vote for Labour than for National. But National gets into power twice in a row regardless. And people are saying, this is pretty fucked. And so... They investigate, they like do a royal commission, they come up, hey, there's this really weird German-style voting system that we could adopt. And what that means now is you have a proportional voting system and that gives other parties a chance to get into Parliament. And there's sort of two notable ones that are in Parliament now. There's the ACT Party, which is the Association of Consumers and Taxpayers. Um, That's like... Your annoying libertarian mate from university, like Rand Rand Red Paul, ball? but not, oh, no. not so evil. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's also the Green Party, which uh, is actually just top. Yeah, they went through. They had their fiftieth anniversary just the other day, um, but it was a long, long time before they got into Parliament. They weren't in Parliament until 1999.
0: So, so how does one get into Parliament?
1: Two ways. Two ways. So there are electorates in New Zealand. They're like single member districts. So like your congressional districts here, you have this chunk of territory and all the voters in there vote in a straight runoff for a candidate, right? Okay, okay. I think there are like 73 of them. Then the remainder of the seats in parliament, so we're talking another 45 seats or so, the remainder come from the party lists. So, in advance of every election, every political party says, These are the candidates we are putting up as a party. And they are numbered one, two, however many. So, number one on the list for the Labour Party is Jacinda Ardern because she is the party leader. Okay. They'd say, We intend to make this person prime minister if Labour gets a majority. Uh, And then it's. The exact share of votes kind of depends on election night. But that, but so everyone who wins an electorate, everyone who wins a district gets in, and then it's topped up with MPs from the party list. So in the end, you get a proportional parliament. Uh, people like give, people have two votes. You vote for your local MP, and you're for your, you have the party vote. And the proportionality of parliament is according to the party vote. So if like 6% of the population want to have, think that the green party should be in parliament, roughly speaking, 6% of MPs will be green MPs.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I'm getting this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I don't care if you at home or not, because we don't need to go, like you just go back and re-listen to what Robbie said. You'll get it. I promise. Or you can Google it yourself. You know, we have right and left which doesn't really represent everybody. But it sounds to me like you just have more representation of more of different ideologies in New Zealand.
1: Yeah. Uh, So currently there are five parties in New Zealand's parliament in the past. There have been more, but you know, as with any system, the, the two main parties have been squeezing the others, others out here and there, but sometimes it's convenient for, to have those smaller parties I won't go into all those details, but (laughs) yeah, we do have five parties in Parliament currently. So I mentioned the the two big ones, Labour, that's Jacinda Ardern's party, you know, Progressive on the left, that sort of thing. National, which is very much Chamber of Commerce and Farmers, that sort of thing. Uh, You have the Green Party, fairly obvious. The Act Party, the ones who, you know, um, like Thomas Friedman and Thomas and what's his name, Hayek and all those economists in the Chicago school. Man, Chicago has a lot to answer for. Um, <laughs> all those Chicago school of economics. And then the right. other party in parliament is the Maori party. Now they okay. don't, they don't represent literally all Maori people, but they are te pāti Maori and they run. Oh yeah. Here's another quirk of New Zealand. They run specifically in the Maori electorate seats. So you have general electorate seats that, you know there are 64 65 throughout the country geographically dispersed and overlaid on top of them are the territories of Maori electorates so if you are of Maori descent and this has been the case since the 1850s if you're of Maori descent you can elect to be either on the general roll or the Maori roll the elect you know the um what would you call that in the states like the 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 voter roll yeah
0: in in iowa right now the the farmers are being incentivized to start wind farms which actually really help them out a lot and there's really there's very little pushback now because it's like oh it actually turns out you get paid more money you have a a cleaner farm and you're doing your part to help the world uh so it's actually working out pretty well Um, yeah
1: and there's a there's a big push in new zealand in some circles to what you call electrify the farm
0: yeah yeah you were telling me and if you
1: if you think of all right, so if you're doing a long road trip, right, right, and I, my wife and I actually bought an electric vehicle just a, just under a year ago, and it's, it's limiting, it is limiting to do long road trips, especially if you start heading out west, and the number of charging stations gets, you know, uh, less and less frequent along the highway, and you really have to plan things out, whereas, you know, if you drive a petrol car, it's fine, there are gas stations everywhere, it takes you five minutes to fill up, not 45 minutes to charge. Uh, so yeah that's the situation we're in if you want to do a road trip but if you're if you're on a farm right a farm is you know a reasonably contained piece of land it might still be a big piece of land but it's reasonably contained and you're gonna you know drive your vehicles around the farm and then take them back to the same place at night back to the farmhouse right that's a prime candidate for electrification Think, imagine if all your farm vehicles were electric.
0: So, so okay, you're talking about like actually uh, uh, like electrifying the farm equipment, like co- like uh, combines and tractors and things like that.
1: Yeah, or even just, you know, farm vehicles. You've got uh, what New Zealand calls a ute, what Americans call a pickup truck. So, you know, flatbed. Uh,
0: I'm tr- calling it a ute from it's now on. It's a ute, on. yeah. That's U- much better. U-
1: U-T-E, that's how you spell it. It's short for utility vehicle.
0: Cool. Yep. Yeah,
1: so you got your ute. Not not a Ford F one hundred and fifty. It's probably a Holden bloody uh, (laughs) Toyota Hilux. Yeah, (laughs) get get the Toyota Hilux. But they might have a like an electric Toyota Hilux by now. So it's really interesting
0: hearing a New Zealander do a New Zealand accent. Oh,
1: this is like
0: oh, real rural. All right, so now you've got your gumboot-wearing, you driving people out there that are fighting against this uh, electrification of the farm. But you said, like, when you were sending me information, you said that it was a small amount of people that are fighting against it.
1: I mean, smaller and smaller. I mean, you do have to reinvest your vehicles and that sort of thing, but... What do you uh, mean when you
0: say reinvest your vehicles?
1: Well, if you want to, you know, you're going to hang on to a car or any sort of vehicle for a while, right? Right, right if you own a petrol vehicle, then it's like, you're going to hang on to it. But if you're buying a new vehicle, here's an interesting thing. Mm. I think it was a year or two ago that the New Zealand government under Jacinda Ardern introduced a $3,000 levy for the purchase of new vehicles that weren't electric vehicles. So if you are buying a new vehicle, like not second hand, not an import from Japan or whatever, but, uh, a new vehicle, which is petrol-powered, you have to pay a $3,000 levy to the government. So, you know, in the, it's the opposite to the, the, uh, the... There's the carrot and the stick, right? The U.S. federal government has the carrot, which is buy an electric vehicle, get a $7,500 income tax rebate. New Zealand is like, stick. It's like, <laughs> you, you want to buy anything that's not an EV? Pay us three grand.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so they're not really incentivizing very well. Well, no, the incentive is buy an
1: electric vehicle and you don't have to pay this three grand. But yeah, farmers up in arms about it. It's like, how can we afford $3,000 extra? I'm like... Motherfucker, if you're buying a brand new ute for the farm, like a brand new car, that's going to set you back like 50,000, 60,000. Or just buy a
0: fucking electric vehicle. Or just do the thing that's going to help us, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, you're paying more because you're being a dick, is essentially what what you're saying now. Yeah, kind of. It's a dick tax. Well, then that makes sense that the only people that would be dissent. because again, the comments that I've been getting are people saying like, "Well, this is tax corporations do this." I'm like, "Well, they are though, right? No matter who's doing it, you're going to pay more for your emissions. Like, it's yeah. not it's not like here where we're just gouging the poor." In
1: well, okay, so the the New Zealand emissions trading scheme is its whole sort of thing, and basically, all right, so you have the Kyoto Protocol in was it two two thousand and two or something like that, which said all right, all countries need to figure out a way to limit their emissions and we're going to start trading schemes, right? And the markets are insanely complex and I have no prospect of ever explaining how emissions trading works. But (laughs) from the beginning, like we're talking 20 whole years now, agriculture in New Zealand has been exempt from these emissions regulations, Uh, Because it's just been too politically difficult to enforce it on agriculture as well as everything else. So this is where I go to Wikipedia, but all right. (laughs) Oh yeah, no,
0: I'm familiar with the Wikipedia dive.
1: Yeah, so this is 2012 data, but it's like the ratios are going to be much the same, right? So New Zealand's Zealand's emissions, right? 42% is energy. So we're talking, you know, coal, fire plants, gas right. plants, okay, all that CO2 sort of thing. CO2 then. Yeah, yeah. Um, about 7% is industry, manufacturing, that sort of thing.
0: Also, yeah, I would assume still CO2. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Oh, this is what we're talking, your CO2. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's 5%, which is called waste. I don't know what that is. Um, but then 46% of New Zealand's CO2 emissions are agriculture. Oh, wow. Because... It is still quite an agricultural country. It is a dairy-intensive country, which wasn't always the case. Like, back in the 1950s, wool was king. Like, sheep and wool, and that's what New Zealand was known for. It's like, that's where all the sheep shagger cliches came from.
0: Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Uh,
1: So, like, wool was king, and dairy farming wasn't all that profitable.
0: You know, fast
1: forward a little bit, and you have China, you have India, you have the Philippines, you have all these big countries, Indonesia, who are like getting wealthier and wealthier and they're getting bigger and bigger middle classes and middle, the middle class likes to eat protein. So you are exporting milk powder, you're exporting beef, you're exporting um, all these things that New Zealand has in abundance uh, to these countries. So dairy, all of a sudden becomes much, much more profitable than it used to be. But cattle farming dairy farming is much more intensive on the environment than sheep farming is or than you know wheat or soy or corn or growing crops that any sort of thing like that cows are just bigger polluters than pretty much anything else you can do for food almost
0: wow okay all right yeah. so so because china is is becoming is growing their middle class is growing they're eating more beef New yeah, Zealand and, answers the call, makes more dairy cows, more dairy farms.
1: Yeah, converts more land to dairy. Okay. So, you know, back in the 50s, it was really only like two parts of New Zealand that specialized in dairy farming. And now it's, you know, a lot, lot more of the country. And that has impacts for, you know, um, for water runoff. You know, cows, shit. Right. And that leaches into rivers and more and more rivers in New Zealand yeah, they're they're not safe to drink from. They're not safe to swim in. Uh, it, it, and with greater and greater dairy herds, that is a problem. And we haven't even got to the emissions. But of course, cows are responsible for a lot of methane emissions, which is you know, it's carbon dioxide. Or, well, it's methane. No, it's, it's not methane. carbon dioxide. Methane this is, okay.
0: in in the states, but yeah, methane. It's C H four. Is so yeah, okay. you, which is the second biggest um uh warming ca- uh, compound that's happening in the atmosphere because you got co2 which is the biggest because like right. it goes co2 ch4 and then a bunch of other little ones but ch4 is like just shy of being the most and it's uh, only okay. getting worse right? i'm glad
1: that you did the chemistry research on this because otherwise we'd have like chemists in the comments it's like these two clowns have no idea what the hell they're talking about we still about. don't know we still don't
0: know what we're talking <laughs> about. <gasps> But we did the work the bare minimum so that you listening at home can understand what's going on, and why yep, anyone would just, want to tax farts and just perps.
1: one white guy and one pink bird talking <laughs> shit on a podcast.
0: Yeah, well, that's what most podcasts are, really. Uh, yep. But like the the way the um the tax the reason why they're doing it on on uh, CH4 is because that's something they can they can do a little bit of control on because CO2 is such a problem and they're the um, coal industry, the oil industry, all that's so big and difficult to take on that like they're like, all right, well, you're never going to listen to this, Grandpa. But what we can do is tax you if your uh, burping and farting count is too high, which you heard in the bit earlier, I'm not going back over it again, uh, said that like if we were to do this, we'll bring it to a, a level that we haven't seen since like 1750. If we just bring it down by like 40%. Yeah,
1: it's, it is infuriating that agriculture in New Zealand has been exempt from these requirements for so long because they, because New Zealand's efforts to reduce emissions have been, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Right. Um, and New Zealand's, I mean, the, the energy supply, like the electricity supply more and more is going to wind and New Zealand's always had a lot of hydro. It's the sort of country you can do that quite hilly, um, geothermal energy is in the mix actually that's been a long part there are regions of New Zealand that you can do that actually I was was once touring a show in a city called Rotorua which is a notable hotspot for geyser geothermal activity and what's pretty common there in like houses and businesses is you get your hot water by tapping the ground you just like what get, you like dig basically dig a pipe and you make sure it's pressurized and like that's how you get that's how you heat up the water that you use in your house or your property. So Whoa. we got we got to this motel in Rotorua where we are staying, and we arrived and the lovely lady at reception said, Oh yeah, our, our hot water's out because we lost the we lost the uh, geothermal tap. And so, oh, oh no. yeah, we got we got we got someone coming to fix it. It's like they're just digging up the just lawn of this hole. motel, like <laughs> next to the pool. So it's like, oh you can have a cold shower if you like. <laughs> so, like oh yeah we'll just dip have a dip in the pool unfortunately yeah, well, it wasn't wasn't that colder day so. oh, that's
0: <laughs> yeah. good is it really hot in New Zealand is it I mean I don't know the the weather down there I'm assuming you have uh, all kinds of different it's not temperate though right
1: uh, it's it is pretty temperate actually oh, okay I mean, cool yeah so if we take Chicago I mean Chicago gets hotter than most places in New Zealand do and it gets much 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 colder than most places in New Zealand
0: oh so um, it's nicer in New Zealand is what you're yeah. saying.
1: I'm, I'm from, I'm from Auckland and it's a very narrow band of temperatures. Like the hottest in summer you'd get, God, I have to translate into fucking American now. Sorry. The hottest you get in summer would be, you know, 90 degrees. Okay. And then the coldest it would get in winter. Like it basically never goes below freezing in Auckland. What? So yeah. Oh, man. Other, other parts of New Zealand further South, it does. I mean, a good geographical comparison is New Zealand North to South is the same distance as New York to Miami.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So then
1: take all the climates that you find along that coastline, and that gives you a half-decent indication of the climates that you find in New Zealand. Except just flip north to south because southern hemisphere, northern hemisphere. So north is warm, south is cold in New Zealand. But think New York to Miami, and it's like, oh yeah, you start to get a sense of...
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I've found so far about New Zealand that's complicated is you fucking political systems cuz i'm used yeah. to i'm used to a and b
1: well yeah we got more parties but at the same time new zealand's political system so much power so much power is centralized in parliament and the executive oh like, uh, okay like there's no there's no senate there's no upper house or anything like that no house of lords um, it's just a one chamber parliament so you got 120 mps whoever has a majority they they become prime minister they get to govern Um, the courts are pretty weak. Uh, there, there hasn't been that separation. Like when the United States was founded, when you had the constitution, it was like the Supreme court was set up in that constitution. Right. So it's been around for 200 odd years. Um, a hangover of empire is that New Zealand's top court until like 15 years ago was the Privy Council in London. That was the final court. That was the final court of appeal. And still occasionally today cases go there because, you know, the cases began back when the Privy Council was the final court of appeal. New Zealand now has a Supreme Court, but it's not as emboldened as the United States Supreme Court has been you know, on whatever political stripe it is. I mean, New Zealand could never get a Brown versus Board of Education style case that, oh yeah, instantly this court decides that, therefore it's the law of the land. No, Parliament in New Zealand is supreme. So the J- Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, her ministers, her government, they have more power within New Zealand than Joe Biden does within the United States. Easily. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So they're the ones being like, hey, tax the farts.
1: Yeah. The yeah. more
0: we look at the science, the more it's like, well, that's the least you could do. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like people are being receptive in New Zealand to it. There's just a couple of dissenters that are like, no, don't make me do stuff.
1: Well, it's, it's okay. The central government is saying, hey, farming, you're going to have to sort your shit out. And if you don't, we're going to sort it out for you. Oh, wow um and you find this in the united states as well in different in different industries like government will give a signal to an industry to say hey this is what we want to happen how about you go away and figure it out and don't be dicks about it (laughs) and if you're not dicks about it you can regulate yourself
0: okay oh yeah we need that in america except we're it's just never going to fly because the government's like, hey, don't be dicks. The immediate American reaction is, fuck you.
1: Well, there's, there's a bit of fuck you happening in New Zealand as well. And you just have to look at, you know, fuck, February, March, there was an occupation of parliament's grounds, like a January 6th style occupation. There wasn't like a mob baying for blood in the same way that there was on January 6th at the US Capitol. Right. But it was... You know, the disaffected people after two years of COVID um, on parliament's grounds, just like setting up tents and living there and blocking the streets with their vehicles and um, you know there's a, the United States doesn't have a monopoly on conspiracy-minded folk
0: <laughs> Oh good. I'm glad that it's spread oh no. Out.
1: <laughs> oh no, oh no oh no. no. and but a lot of these you know a lot of these ideas have come from the states. There were, you know, there were Trump flags at the New Zealand Parliament occupation.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Trump was running there.
1: There's a mixture of sort of mostly harmless, hippie, woo nonsense, um, just every internet conspiracy theory, the benign and the nasty, and then, you know, some alt-right, actively racist people turning up as well, trying to take advantage of the situation. Uh, But one thing that sort of heartened me is that, Throughout this three-week occupation of Parliament's grounds, oh, yeah, the, the Speaker of Parliament, uh, Trevor Mallard, um, so you yeah, might be related because like, he's got a bird surname.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, sure. Well, I, I've heard of him.
1: Yeah, Trevor Mallard.
0: <laughs> he's on the uh, Facebook group.
1: He um he tried to flush the protesters out by uh, to a turning on the sprinklers, awesome, and b playing Baby Shark on repeat, <laughs> which. Um, actually increased their resolve because it's like oh yeah you're turning on the sprinklers like in the height of summer cool
0: right uh, yeah. yeah i was just thinking about it, i'm like well that sounds like a fun party Anyways. yeah it,
1: it they turned it into a fun party so Great. i mean the the improviser in me says good yes ending conspiracy protesters <laughs> but yeah police police eventually like shut them out but it took like three weeks for it to happen. But something that heartened me is that none of New Zealand's 120 MPs, whose offices are like right there, right? right it's Parliament. Right. Yeah, none of them went out to meet this group of protesters. And oh, it's pretty interesting. it's pretty typical that, you know, Parliament is a space where you can go to protest. It is for the people. Um, there have been many historic protests that have ended up at Parliament, it's where people go to present their grievances. And if there's some shred of legitimacy, you know, if it's a legitimate cause, then you'll have members of parliament, not like not the whole parliament, you know, sympathetic members of parliament come out to meet them, to uh, address their concerns, to talk to them, that sort of thing. Right. Right. This occupation, no one did because oh, nice. it, it was like conspiracy bullshit, but it is angry people. And you can't just like totally disregard, totally, totally disregard angry people.
0: No, I think that's the worst thing you can do to angry people is disregard them (laughs) because that's just going to make them angrier. Yeah. It's good to know that not much changes across the pond. We have a lot more in common than we think. We all got farts and we're all pretty (sighs) confused on how this whole thing works. But in the end, it sounds like this fart tax is a good thing. And I mean, I support it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's been it's been 20 years and agriculture has not been part of the grand solution to try and unfuck this planet and slow steps to bring them into line
0: and that's not just a load of hot air. <laughs> <That's Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba>. Farts. <laughs> Special thanks to the Barrera Cudas for their kick-ass song Promises that takes us out on the back end here. Thank you to Jepson's Malort for being my loyal sponsor, best friend, and lover. Thank you to Jacob Stereo for recording me. Thank you to you for listening. But huge big ups, fucking high five, Top Gun style thank yous to the great Robbie Ellis for showing up and uh, impressing us all with knowledge of his uh, home turf, which is more than I can say for some of us. Anyway Come find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook Just come hang out There's a lot of cool shit going on But there will be a tax on farts That's actually a good idea You can make money at a house party with that Oh hey podcast people It's Chad the Bird And this is a commercial for something super cool That you should totally get into But why me and why you? Well, here's the deal. I have a brand new show in the works just for you that will hearken you back to a time before when things were random and all bets were off, when Ecto Cooler roamed the land and you would wake up early on Saturday mornings. Remember those days? It's been too long since we've had Reason and now here I am with you and that Reason. And that reason is a brand-new live-action show starring me and an army of comedians, musicians, writers, actors, celebs, and randos streaming right into your desktop on Saturday mornings live. TV used to be wild, free, untamed by plot and point, remember? When it was just whatever the hell you got, like Halloween candy. Sometimes it's chocolate, sometimes it's a pack of chalky bullshit. Either way, that's the game. My new show will stack your pumpkin bucket with random comedy, music, spoken word, and whatever the hell people give me into 20 minutes of prime internet escape written and performed by the best of the best and the best we can afford right into your home Saturday mornings live. So join me, Chad the Bird, and donate to my Patreon now to bring back the good old days of nonsense to your Saturday mornings. Funding will help produce and maintain a monthly show that we hope to turn into a bi-monthly show. And hey, you go all ham on this and we'll go weekly. Take back your Saturday mornings, reclaim random, and give me money. Chad the Bird is my name, and my new show is all for you, podcast people. So click the link and get in on it. Is that good? Oh, fuck, we're still recording?